Hello, and welcome to Here There Be Dragons, a Black Sails podcast. I'm Chelsea. I'm Lewis. And this is episode... Do you remember? No. <laughs> you know, it's that one in season two. <laughs> sure, okay. Are you really going to introduce this episode that way? I didn't remember what it was. It's the freaking episode. It's the episode where we find out everything. Also, sorry, this is a little bit late. I'm a little sick and yeah. um, whatever. Everybody's a little sick. Yeah. Welcome to the winter. Okay. Um, okay. We're trying something new for the recap today because as this show continues, as you may be able to tell, the plot thickens and our recaps have been running a little long. So I'm keeping it short and concise just to jog your memory. Okay, here we go. Eleanor clears the air with her dad and finally gets to hear exactly what she always wanted from him. Jack is forced to make a difficult choice between Max and Anne before he can set sail. After some back and forth, Silver agrees to release Billy. Vane tells his crew to watch over Abigail as he sets off to kill Flint with the fort crumbling around him. Miranda does her best to convince Flint to change his plan and refocus on Thomas's mission. She reminds him of their relationship, and we learn the truth in the flashbacks. Flint and Thomas were lovers, and their discovery ruined their lives. And then Vane attacks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Vane attacks is like... Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean... The bulk of this episode is obviously the most important, so let's let's chit-chat about our other folks. Okay, what do you want to say about the other folks? Let's get it out of the way. Okay. Um, I think the scene between Eleanor and her dad is devastating. Devastating, like, emotionally? No. Devastating because I think he's, like, lying his face off. Oh, yeah, he's awful. He's awful. And she has waited for so long to hear him say these things to her. And she's so upfront about how she's been feeling. And he's he's validating her feelings and saying that how amazing she is. And he's just doing it because he's desperate and has nowhere else to turn. So he comes crawling back to her. And it's not because he actually believes in her or loves her. No, he's completely like nagging her. Yeah. <coughs> That's I, why it's devastating. I feel like, um, I like back in season one, we were talking about how Eleanor has probably achieved this position, like, and you can't discount how difficult it, or how uh, much help she probably got with her name, mm-hmm. but in this dialogue, we learned that he basically abandoned her. Yeah. Like, she actually did do it by herself. And not just in, like, a he left. Like, he actually abandoned her. Yeah. Um, And, like, I think there's some truth to what he says about how, like, even if he's using it to, like, against her, to say, like, I actually didn't believe in you at all. And when I left you here, it was because I was moving on to other things and I thought this was going to collapse. Yeah. Um, Which makes Eleanor's, um, I mean, it makes Eleanor's story better, I think. Yeah, I think I, so, too. Yeah, I wish that we had gotten this conversation earlier, though. Like, I wish this conversation had happened in season one. His entry back into the story at this point feels, like, weird to me. Why? Well, because, like, that revelation and that conversation is very dramatically 
related to what she was going through in season one, even. And I don't know. I think that that would have colored her arc in a way that like would have made us talk about her character in a different way. Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe like, I guess that's intentional. Like, I guess that's writing and that's the nature of TV writing. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, it was good. It was cool. It was good. Mm -hmm. I like that. It just makes it even more clear that not only is Eleanor completely pioneering this, um, leadership role in Nassau, she doesn't even have, like, a role model. Yeah. Oh, and I think one important thing that we also find out, though, is that Eleanor's mom was killed when the Spanish attacked the first time. Oh, yeah. It's kind of a throwaway line when she says it, but that feels, like, vitally important (laughs) to her character. I did not even remember that watching this time, and I... This is the first time I even heard her I say it. I didn't even remember that the first time we watched it either. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah, she's it yeah, she just sort of like speeds through it, which makes sense because it's obviously like information that they both know. <laughs> you know, she's not like, by the way, do you remember my mother? Yeah. She just couldn't talk about it. Um so yeah, we can see I think that colors her decision a lot to want to keep the fort safe. Yeah. Um, so that's some good Eleanor stuff. Yeah, yeah. But she's oh, she's on a dark path, I feel like. Speaking of fort stuff, let's just go to Vane. Yeah. Because Vane also doesn't do um, a lot in this episode. He... Yeah. What does he do? He tells the men to, to... He just basically says, like, nobody touch her. Um, I'm going to solve this my way. Which is to cut the head off the snake. Basically do what he did to Ned Lowe. Yeah. Just, like, find the leader and literally cut off the head. Yeah, it was kind of funny the way that he's, like... Especially, I mean, we were laughing about that last beat of Vane coming in and being like, ah, I'm gonna kill you now. (laughs) It, it, It is kind of comical in a way because it's been building up this... It's not a complex plot, but it's sort of like this cat and mouse thing with mm-hmm. the fort and like the standoff and who's going to fire and all those things. And then for for someone to just be like, "What if I just went over and killed him?" Though, is <laughs> <laughs> um is 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 good. <laughs> yeah i I really wish that we had just finished the episode with Flint looking at the book. Well, we'll get to that in a second. I know, but th- this is, like, the only thing I have to say about Vane. <laughs> it's his role sort of, like, in the script. I know it's, like, exciting and it's, like, back to the pirate show, but it's just... It's just not what this episode is for me. I just kind of like that it feels like, you know, get you a pirate captain who can do both. You know, <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like... Flint gets to have the most emotional, like... Uh, climax of mm-hmm. like an arc we've seen in a character while also reminding us that he's like the center of our show <laughs> in emotion and action uh-huh. and drama and like all these things. Yeah. And it also, I don't know, it's just like, I mean, you're probably right. I think, I think you're probably right about the tone and how watching it back, you really want that to really, really land and sink and that to yeah. get credits on that. But, um, but I also see the way that it's, that it's like, and he's, like, the most feared pirate captain on the seas now, too, remember? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, 
Anyway, okay, we, we were, we're not talking about Flynn yet. <laughs> okay, they, that's all I have to say about Bane, though. Okay, great. Um, and uh, I don't have much to say about Silver, either. Well, I feel like this season is not Silver season. This is no. Flint number one. I think that's true, but also I think Silver has been more interesting in these episodes than he was in the first season. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of things about the show are more interesting now than they were in the first season. Mm-hmm. And the whole conversation with Billy is, um, I mean, we wondered out loud, why wouldn't he just kill Billy? Yeah. And we know, I mean, we know, I guess, logically, like, he can't. He's not in a situation where he could really get away with that, especially with Randall there. And all the pirates have seen him on the beach. Right. But also, there was, like, a hint of, like, Silver calling back to that first episode. And yeah. we were talking about that, too. Like, that first episode when he takes the paper, it's like Silver believes, actually, if there's anybody else that maybe he could conscript into this worldview and into this, like, an asset to him on the ship, actually maybe it's Billy in a yeah. weird way. Yeah, um, And it doesn't seem like it's working. But it seems like Silver believes it should work eventually. Well, I think it's because Billy cares so deeply about the men on the ship. Yeah. That Silver sees that that's such a powerful tool to manipulate him. Yeah. To think about the greater good. Yes. That, yes, exactly. It's like Silver's best and most vulnerable victims are the ones who believe in something. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like that's an ideology that can be warped and taken advantage of, mm-hmm. um, and is like the most vulnerable to the idea of like, if you really truly want the best for the men, then like you have to lie and murder and yeah, be deceitful, <laughs> which is like maybe not something that Billy is ready to hear again right now. But I think um, Silver is like, I don't know, able to talk him into it. Yeah, and able to see that vulnerability even now. Yeah. Um, also, oh. it's also fun to to be reminded of where Silver started out. Yes, to Billy yes. be like, "What do you mean you're like talking to Flint? Yeah. Like that's crazy." Yeah, yeah. It's just cool to see it. Like, actually, yeah, Silver's come really far. Yeah, the crew love him. Yeah, because of the news that he gives with his foot stomping thing. Flint has clearly come to depend on him because he sent him out to the beach to, like, gather support and, you know, he he trusts him to do private missions like that, basically. And he used to be... (laughs) Nobody gave a shit about him. Yeah. They kind of... I forget what the expression is in TV when uh, characters, like, acknowledge the ridiculousness of the... or the contrivances of of the writing or the plot... But <clears throat> gratuitous? No, it's not gratuitous. <laughs> um, uh, but Randall does it. Then he like looks yeah. at Billy and he's like, "Yeah, we like him now." <laughs> yeah. Um, and he kind of shrugs and he's like, he's, "I don't really remember yeah. how it happened either." <laughs> yeah. um, but I think also, as you were saying that, I also remembered because I was like, "Yeah, why do they like him?" And I remembered the first scene that popped into my head was him saying, was him talking to the men and him saying guys, we can't just sail the Nassau with a Spanish warship. Um, and it reminds me so much of the way that he talks to the men in Treasure Island mm. and the way that Silver just is, which is like, 
The men trust him not just because he's delivering the news, but because Silver can really sell them on the idea that he's he's trying to do what's best for them. Yeah. Like, he's, he's like, you guys, listen, like, think, no, no, think about it. Like, yeah. why would they trust us? You know, he, he doesn't... Well, it's what he says, isn't it? That he realized the crew needs someone to make the decision. Yes, and someone to explain why. Yeah, and someone to tell them why they should care about it and why they should do it. Yeah. Wait, was that this episode? I think so. Yeah. Did I write that down? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. The crew needs two people, one to tell them what to do, the other to tell them why. Yeah. Um, yeah. But as Billy also points out, why do you want that job? <laughs> <laughs> like, first it was Gates, and then it was me. Yeah. But no, then Silver yeah. comes back with that great line where he's like, I don't believe in him. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Which it goes back to what we were saying about what Silver finds yeah, vulnerable in other yeah. people. Which is that Silver is like, I don't have a cause. No. I can't really be warped. I have a simple goal. Yeah. And if anything is going to take me away from that goal, then I don't do that thing. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, yeah. Ugh. <laughs> um, no, I mean, yeah, I can't believe that wasn't the first thing we said. That's a huge character moment for Silver. Yeah. To say, yeah, I don't buy into his uh, cult of personality and the whole thing. Yeah. Which is really interesting because we were so, like, excited by the idea at the end of season one uh, when we were talking with our friend Ned about how, um, like, Silver sticks with Flint in that moment because maybe he sees something special about Flint. Yeah. And it's seeming less like that and more just like, Silver just wants that gold. Well, I think he can still acknowledge that Flint is, like, exceptionally skilled. Right. But it's not... And he in, can admire that. But it's not intoxicating to him in the same way that it was when we were talking about Miranda's line about being around great men or something. Right. It's not like Silver's just like, there's something about Flint that, like, no. he can't... That's not... At no. least that's not currently how he sees the captain. Right. I think he just sees him as a smart, powerful ally. Yep gonna get that money yeah uh okay so much for nothing to say about silver (laughs) um okay jack and max and ann oof (laughs) poor ann so basically featherstone who we meet Right? In this episode, we meet Featherstone for the first time. Yeah, I think so. He's got the cutest little face. Um, He basically says the crew will accept that we have to give some of our profits to Max, or they will accept Anne being on the crew. And I appreciate that they're not like, because it's bad luck to have a woman on board. They're like, because she murdered her last crew. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But then also part of that deal is that, like, they would accept her, but not the other woman. Sure. I'm not saying it's not sexist. Okay. It it is sexist. I'm just saying that they're, that Anne is a potentially valuable member of the crew if they don't have to give up so much money, but that they're also very cognizant of how dangerous she can be. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's true. Um... Yeah, that story is it. it it's um, it really sucks. Uh, it it makes Jack 
It makes Jack suck. It does make Jack suck. <laughs> Which I was thinking about um, how um, we disagreed about his business acumen. Yeah. And I think you were right. <laughs> because he's clearly just not good at negotiating this. Well, that, like, somehow this guy came along with an entire crew of guys. I mean, yeah. I guess in that from that perspective, Featherstone came along and he brought, like, everything. Yeah. So, like, something's got to give, maybe. Right. But... Like, after, like, a whole arc and multiple conversations about how Anne and Jack are inseparable. Yeah. And, like, really powerful together. Yeah. Um, like, there's been a whole drama about how Jack is is really insecure and nervous that yes. he's going to lose that relationship with Anne to Max. Yeah. And then the second that that, that becomes an issue for him, mm-hmm. he severs, or he doesn't sever it, but he lets it go. And he's just like, oh, she'll sit this one out. Oh. Like, he's just, it's just so inconsiderate and unwilling to, I mean, we don't even really get to see the scene where he talks to Featherstone about this, but, like, I think you have to assume he did not put up much of a fight. No. He thought of it logically and yeah. was like, they would rebel if I didn't choose Max, so. Right. No, I think he made the, I think the decision to him felt clear because... I think he is right that the men wouldn't respect him as much if he chose Anne, but there's definitely a way he could have spun it and made it work. I think he's really insecure about being a captain. He's never been a captain before. Yeah. What is he supposed to do if he doesn't have Max telling him which ships to go after? Huh. You know? And and that's not a wrong impulse. No. Max is... Max does make him a better captain. Absolutely. Yeah. It's sort of like, it's not guaranteed success, but it's like a huge help up as opposed to starting off with needing to reassert your control, needing to reassert your power if you choose Anne. Yeah, but like when you think about that, then the perfect captain is like a co-captaincy between Max and Anne. (laughs) Because (laughs) Anne is the muscle and Max is the brains. Yeah. And Jack is just the man. Yeah. Yeah. I just, yeah, Jack is, I think Jack is a a good um, schemer, and he does think things out logically, but he, he's clever. He's clever, but he doesn't have the, like, gravitas behind him to, like, to, to put his foot down and to really lead. It's not that he's not, I mean... Yeah, I mean, gravitas is a, is a word for it, but I think it's also in this world where the pirates are all out there doing business and making a name for themselves the very the, the moment that they step out into the spotlight and they mm-hmm. start using their name to do piracy. Anne is, Anne is just, like, the more accomplished one when you really think about it by far. Like, yeah. when you think about actually how much of a physical threat she is to other pirates yeah. and how much she's gotten done just by her maneuvering, which you kind of get the sense like she's maybe not as scheme as schemer or as clever as Jack, but she's when she wants to get something done, she'll figure out how to get it done. Yeah. If it's not going to be her plan, she'll go to the person who will help her make the plan. Yeah. Or she'll stick with the, that person. And Versus Jack is best well known for losing a bunch of money. Yeah, and it's like, you know, being able to put on the show is good, mm-hmm. but there's just something to be said for the real undisputed power yeah. that Anne has. Yeah. And um, it's interesting. Yeah. I also think, though, that he just doesn't... He doesn't talk to her in the right way in that scene. 
Maybe it's because he's so nervous to tell her this. But Anne is not going to respond to logic. She's a deeply emotional person. Like She responds to feelings and and love and care. She doesn't respond to, like, this is the plan. And this is why it makes sense. Yeah. I just think he approached it in completely the wrong way. Well, I, I did read that he was, like, really nervous. And he knew it was going to break her heart. Yeah, but he should... I don't know, do something about that. (laughs) (laughs) You know? Yeah, I know, yeah, be more tactful. Yeah. Yeah. He he explained it, he put it forth to her the way that he would have wanted it said to him. Well, he put it forth as if she was his business partner Mm -hmm. and she was going to recognize the long-term, like, reason that it's a positive for them. I also just can't help thinking, though, of two... um, previous scenes between them the one where she was like oh well I know that you would always choose me over anybody yeah I had I have no question about that that's a constant for me you would always choose me and the second conversation is the one where she says I need your help right now and I need you to be in that bedroom with me so not only is he abandoning her he's abandoning her to be alone with Max and a place where she's freaked out and just thought that she had figured out was to have the three of them together. Although that sort of is in question this, this episode too, a little bit. Mm-hmm. She seems to be a bit uncomfortable with Max and Jack having any kind of connection. Yeah. And you can't have it <laughs> both <laughs> it's ways. All, it's all a mess. It's all a mess. Is there anything else about them? Um, no, I think I'm good. Shall we get Wait, into is there, it? Wait, is there nobody, is there nothing else? Maybe in tidbits, but... Okay, okay, okay. Um, Just, you start, you, okay, you go there. Oh my god. Okay, if this is your first time watching, I really encourage you to go back to the Flint and Miranda scenes in season one. Because they pack so much of this story into season one without speaking a word about it. Just in their interactions together. Yes. It's all there. Yeah. They totally knew everything in season one. Yeah. The actors, I mean. Oh. Did they? Did they actually? Do you know? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I am just assuming. (laughs) I mean, it certainly works. I mean, like, as us having been on, like, just having rewatched all those episodes is absolutely there. Um, Yeah, and it's tragic. And it's like... um, it makes a lot of things make a lot more sense. Yeah. Um, I like how they reintroduce the, the way that they call back to this as the Mark as Marcus Aurelius, like that that's oh. the like linking factor because yeah. way back in, in episode three, was it or know. four when he had a really big reaction yeah. to um, Guthrie reading that book. Yeah. Now we know why. Yeah. Because it's maybe his most treasured possession. And it's like the only written, like, Maybe not the only written, but, like, a very literal written proof of his affair. Yeah. Like, that's actually something I did not totally understand um, watching that scene again. Yeah. In season one, because I did not remember that there were names used in it. Yeah. But the inscription says, to James, my truest love. Yeah. From Thomas. No, no shame. Ugh. Yeah. So, um... 
I would have to go back and check, though, if Miranda leaves the book with, with Guthrie or if she just reads excerpts to him. Uh, oh, I'm not sure. I I'm, forget. I feel like that changes it, but... Wait, why would that change it? Because she would have been more careful, you mean? Yeah, like she wouldn't have shown him the inscription. I think he was ner. I think he was reacting because of the inscription. Because he was nervous about it. Yeah, I think yeah. that's why he like he flipped out. Like yeah, I don't he think did. he, I don't think he was like, why would you do that? I think he was like, what are you thinking? Right, right. Um, okay. Anyway, so, um, <sighs> Flint and Thomas Hamilton love each other, and oh, it, it's. It's beautiful storytelling. The way that this episode is structured and the way the dialogue is written to... I, I feel like as you're... It's so hard for me to remember watching this the first time. But I feel like as you're going through the episode, you're like, things seem a little bit off. Yeah. Like, people are reacting to this affair in a very extreme way. Yeah. And Miranda's like really freaked out she says they hang people for this like it it just seems like everything is a little bit too heightened and then of course we get the reveal when they kiss and it's and it all falls into place Uh and how incredible is this show that it took until the middle of season two to tell this part of the story I mean, I, I think it's beautiful that it takes this amount of time yeah. to tell this part of the story. Yeah. It's such a key part, but it we needed to know Flint and Miranda and Hamilton and, and then to finally get this puzzle piece. It's like the middle puzzle piece uh-huh. that just got locked in. And yeah. now we see the whole picture. It allows us to be introduced to this like mysterious character mm-hmm. of Flint and really wonder about his motivations and the yeah. history and really sit in that wondering for a while yeah. and then let us sit in some sort of comfort like maybe we've actually figured it out yeah. and then to say you don't know this man you yeah. know like in in a way that's really powerful and like it's not like it, it like this tw- the, the secret is itself a secret you know like there's a reason that it was secret from us and it's because it's something that he keeps secret even from himself you know in in like the closest in the closest circles of his own like existence yeah and it's it's and then you you look back at the the what the show has been about and it's and and we're and how people talk about society and these Mm -hmm. communities and the themes about shame and gossip and secrecy and you know, the idea that you refocus that, like, you know, that Miranda from season one has always been owning the idea that she's Flint's woman. Yeah. Like, that she's just his secret oh affair. Oh my God. I have so much to say about Miranda. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's that she's been sitting in this island and that she, um. She's doing the same thing. Right. But that, that, that she, that she is, how am I, how am I going to, how am I trying to phrase this? without knowing without having seen this episode you're watching the story of Miranda and you're sort of cheering for her because she's sort of owning this this label of 
an affair, mm-hmm. even because it's revealed to us earlier in the show that she was married to Thomas Hamilton mm-hmm. and that she is having an affair with Flint. It's Guthrie who says, I heard the yeah. rumors about the affair that you had that reached way outside of London and yeah. all those and, and all those places. Um, well, and no, then by the to, way, not only that you had an affair, that your husband went insane yeah. and died yeah. because of it. Yeah. I mean... It's just... It it, it 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 brings a new level of the uh, it brings a new level of the idea of how you're supposed to operate in society because Miranda was owning that label so that others could live, you know, in yeah. a way and like live in their truest and and freest way, and and she also found proud pride in it because she yeah. knew how screwed up it was that others would find shame in that because she knew that that's where like the true love was yeah. and it wasn't beca- and, and you know it's just like the beautiful way that that refocuses that theme and this like impression we've had of her this whole time mm-hmm. like i don't think there's any i don't think you're supposed to be judging her because she cheated on her husband you're supposed no, to be like definitely not. i think but i think you're supposed to think that that happened um, I mean, because yeah, it did I, happen. I think you're supposed to think that, like, the affair happened, but it's okay because Thomas is fine with it. Right. Or, I mean, and that's what, I mean, that's supposed to be your impression as season two progresses. Yeah. But, I mean, even in season one, she's owning the label of she oh. ran off with Captain Flint. Right, right. And yes. he stole her from someone. Yes. You know? Um, and she doesn't shy away from that label, really. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, it's, yeah. So that whole side of it, it really gets me. What? what? What really gets me about Miranda is when she, I mean, anything she does in this episode really gets me, but (laughs) when she's sitting and she watches them kiss, and I think that's the moment she realizes none of them can, can turn back from this. This is the point of no return, but also that she, she loves these two men. I think she truly loves both of them for different reasons in different ways. But they clearly, and she says this, have something special. Mm-hmm. How devastating is that? The two people that you love in this world love each other more. I mean... Oh, my God. <laughs> Are you okay? <laughs> no. <laughs> and not only that, but she has to take care of and protect both of them. Yeah. By piling other people's shit onto herself. Yeah. That she, exactly. That she will gladly martyr herself. Yeah. And like just take the slings of shit from society because yeah. she knows that it's all screwed up. Uh-huh. And that that's how these two men that she loved can live in peace. And, and she's not, um, and she's not cruel about it to them. Like she doesn't. She doesn't require their devotion or their thanks from her for it. She just does it because she knows it's the right thing to do. That's what she believes in. And the moment in this episode where she really is calling Flint on his shit and says, you're fighting just so you can fight and you can stop being ashamed because you loved him. And oh, when he says the only thing I'm ashamed over that I regret is that I listened to you and she just takes a moment absorbs the blow just like Marcus Aurelius says to do (laughs) and hands him the book I mean she's an incredible woman (laughs) 
She's incredible. Oh. <sighs> um, yeah. And I also love the moment where she says, where she acknowledges that, like, Flint and Hamilton have this beautiful special thing, but she also says to Flint, he was my husband. Mm-hmm. Like, we also had a very special thing. Yeah. And you you can't say that you're more angry about this than I am. Yeah. You don't get to do that. I'm broken. And they the moment that Flint and Miranda embrace after she says, you know, that he, they've taken him away to the hospital. We're, we're never going to see him again. We have to leave. He hugs her and he says something like, we're not going to Europe. Mm-hmm. His face hardens. And it's Flint. <laughs> it's like the moment that James McGraw turns into Flint. Which is just... And also just the... I love the name Flint because it's such, it's a hard, rocky substance. And his face just like turns to stone in that moment. Oh, he's incredible. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this isn't really part of that, but the, over the course of this episode, I mean, the episode, the scene in the episode where he comes back from Nassau for the first time, and he hasn't fully turned into Flint, but he's got the hair, and he's just carrying himself yeah, differently. Got the beard. He has begun the transformation halfway through this episode, just after having been to Nassau, yeah, um, for a few months. Nassau has infected him a little bit. Well, like the real world has affected him. Yeah, like he. Oh my god, he's such an amazing actor. But also the writing has really done it for him here, too. And also, like, the costumes and the makeup. Like, it's all really beautifully done and conveys a passage of time and a passage of character in a way that, like, I think I've never really seen... I mean, I probably have seen done effectively in other long-form TV dramas, but it works so well that you see that this man is like starting to unwind a little bit and yeah. that the impre- the prejudices and the, and the impressions he had of the world when he stepped into London at the beginning of the season two flashbacks. And when he's back from Nassau, he's already started like got that thing in his eye yeah. where he's like, Thomas is right. There's something there. Yeah. There's like a lot of stuff we could do. I have these ideas and like screw danger. Like I you mean, should see the way these people live. Like it even just coming back with facial hair. Yeah. Like, you are not supposed to have facial hair yeah. in the Navy. Yeah. That's a form of rebellion. Well, and just the way that he talks more frankly to people that are supposed to be his superior. Yeah. I mean, we see, <clears throat> we saw him stand up to Alfred already. Yeah. Um, but there's just a difference now in the way that he's talking even to Thomas and Peter and Alfred and um, who's his superior, the other guy? I forget his I name. I forget his name. Um, it's just like the disappearance of... of um, the disappearance of order shame. And, and shame. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, there's not, yeah, it, the, yeah. yeah, there's a world in which, um, it's, it's really, yeah. I mean, I'm trying to remember, I don't, I'm hesitating because I'm trying to remember if the show actually ever really goes there and I'm not sure that it does, but you could see the alternate story in which, um, uh, James and Thomas and Miranda all go to Nassau. 
like that 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 Flint would have seen mm-hmm. or that James would have seen. We can just live more freely there. Yeah. And like, it's you know we can continue to do our work, but like be- better lives can be had here. Yeah. Um, he doesn't say these things, but I feel well, like you can see seeing, that he's seeing that. That I mean, we're seeing it. Flint isn't seeing it, but we're seeing it somewhat reflected in Jack and Max and Anne. Yeah. They're navigating, figuring out this entirely new format of a relationship. But in Nassau, it's it's entirely possible that the three of them can be in a relationship and nobody gives a shit. Yeah. Nobody cares. Yeah. And... Yeah, it's just, it's a, it, it, there's an undercurrent of this that's just, that's just, the pirates are living without shame. Yeah. And it's just, uh, it's a really beautiful notion. Yeah. Uh, that he comes back and he's like energized by that. Mm-hmm. But then also, I mean, we were talking about this a few episodes ago. Um, I mean, every scene in the season two and season one between Flint and Miranda we could have a whole episode where we rewatch all those episodes and then like talk about them, which might be kind of fun. Maybe, um, maybe. <laughs> maybe <laughs> um, after season two. But just a few episodes ago, we were talking about the the the. I was saying that it's it, we had seen a much younger James who was um, very nervous and self conscious about how society was going to perceive an affair between him and Miranda, and she was saying like, "You're too wrapped up in all that," and. Uh, yeah. I was saying that we can see that modern Flint has turned the like concept of shame and reputation. He's like wep- he's like weaponized it basically right. to say that like um uh he went from a man who cared very much about the way that he comes across in society and being and like knowing his place and like earning his way to saying to 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 being a guy like Flint who lives on the fear of his name and mm-hmm. like and who knows the power in that instead of like, instead of knowing how that could undo you to know how that can actually make you. Yeah. And like, uh, it's, uh, but he still keeps this piece of himself a secret. Yeah. Like when, when Miranda says, what are, what are you doing here? Yeah. You need to actually be clear about what you're doing here. And he's like, I've been really clear. Yeah. And she says, no, you haven't. What? What are you doing? <clears throat> if you're at, if your goal is to actually make Nassau a self-sustaining, free working place, you would actually work with Peter Ash and you would not be so crazed on all this violence. Yeah. And you, you wouldn't you know, you, you wouldn't be causing destruction that made me watch a mother carrying her dead child yeah. down the road. Yeah. It's just... But also, you remember that conversation where he said... And now we know the turning point of he was a guy who used to believe that they should walk into Nassau and hand out pardons. Yeah. And then the turning point of, like, why are we forgiving them for living this way? Yeah. Like, we should... they we should be apologizing to them, you know, or, or from the perspective of we as London uh-huh. and then to turn around and say, I would never accept a pardon from those people. I want them to apologize to me. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's just, it, it's turned the, it's clearly turned the fight from something different. Like it's just, instead of fighting for something in the name of Thomas's memory, it's clearly him 
on some crazy crusade. Yeah. I mean, I, I think his deepest regret truly is not doing something to save Thomas when he could. Yeah. Even though he would have died. Yeah. I think that he's at a point where that is his biggest regret in life. Yeah. Um, so knowing all that, because we've had multiple moments <laughs> where yeah. we've said, now we know what Flint wants. <laughs> <laughs> how does this, how does this reframe, not the whole show, but the, the whole gold thing. Like he's been telling us all these things mm-hmm. he wants to do with the gold. What does the gold really represent for him then? Is it like, is it still to build a paradise away from civilization to like where people can live freely and they just don't have to worry about, they, they, like it's not just they don't have to worry about it, it's that they can construct a giant middle finger to civilization yeah. or is it something else? I mean, I think what this, I think what this episode reveals is that what Flint wants most in the world is Thomas Hamilton. Yeah. And he's dead. Yeah. And how do you keep on living? For Flint, I think it's you try to continue on in his name, but he's so angry and warped that what Thomas envisioned and wanted it doesn't seem he he doesn't have it clear and focused in his mind of how he can do that so i think the gold now is has been this months long journey that he's murdered his best friend for that he's destroyed the fort for and if he doesn't get the the gold now then what is he what has he been doing it's another failure hmm so I think the gold to him represents a success, and and I think it legitimately would help Nassau. I think his relationship with Eleanor is rocky right now, but I think that he and Eleanor could legitimately use it to become more independent Yeah. from England. Yeah. And this whole plan that Miranda's proposing with Abigail is just delving right back into that memory. Yeah, it's kind of crazy like the 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 way the plot has moved in this way. Yeah. To give us the convergences of the Abigail s- sailing right back into their arms. Mhm. At the moment that we learn at w- the moment that we we see the day that uh what does Miranda say? Our lives ended. Yeah. Um <clears throat> um and then for Flint to have to like to, for us to have been, f- to, to, to see that, that day, and then for Flint to have to suddenly be forced to go back there also. Yeah. It's super dramatic. It's super good. Yeah. Because if, if he goes back to, or if he encounters Peter Ash, he's James McGraw again. Yeah. He's not Captain Flint. And he has to really answer for what has he been trying to do. Yeah. Because... Because of everything we just said. Yeah. Like, it really refocuses everything into, like, Miranda says, this is truly how we can build a monument in Thomas's memory. Or yeah. for Thomas. Yeah. And for the things that we were fighting for and that he died for. Yeah. Um, and then it really has to give Flint pause to say, like, 
have I really been doing the things yeah. that he would have wanted? Conversely, Miranda also gets the luxury of she hasn't had to be a pirate. She's been able to build a very depressing home, but build a home inland and has started to sort of create a life for herself with, you know, going to church and meeting the the other islanders a little bit more lately. But Flint has had to do things that are awful and have changed him. Yeah. And he's been sucked into this world of the pirates. Man. What a good episode. <laughs> so this changes everything from this point on, I feel like. Okay. We can finally talk about it. Um, should we go to tidbits? Sure. Oh, uh, okay, yeah, tidbits, right? Mm-hmm. I like the way Anne says, fuck's your problem. <laughs> she says it twice, right? Yeah. Fuck's your problem. Also, like, is I love when the show gets, like, really, um, I don't know if pulpy is the right word or what the definition is, but it makes me feel really good about watching an action drama show when, um, in moments like in the flashback when he says, we're not going to Paris. Yeah. Or we're not going to wherever. We're not going to Amsterdam. Yeah. And he says, and he goes, and he goes. Then where are you going? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's good. Um, we didn't talk about Jack and, and his flag. Oh my God! <laughs> what? A, oh, that's so good. <laughs> so in real life, Jack Rackham actually flew the Jolly Roger for the the first one. Yeah, the the actual flag design. Um, so this is so fun. I just love how he says. Great art has felled empire. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And also, we'll both know it when it's when it's yeah, right. Yeah, we'll both know. <laughs> I, yeah, and it also just goes back to what we were talking about with his insecurities and just wanting everything to be perfect for this first voyage of his captaincy. Oh, boy. Oh, it's also interesting. Um, at one point, Jack and Anne are sort of checking in with each other, and they're like, what do you think Vane's doing? Yeah. But they refer to him as something they survived. Yeah. I just think that phrasing is so Well, Jack says that, right? Yeah. He but says, I don't really care about him. Yeah, I think he's about something it. we survived. Yeah. Interesting. The evolution of their relationship is, is interesting. Oh, I like that this episode begins with Miranda saying, I'm the only one who knows why he's doing it. Yeah. But now we all know, too. Now we know. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, and when um, when Miranda's talking to Flint in the flashback, and she says, "Thomas, um, Thomas has good principles, and he values the principle of the thing, and that's why I love him. And you see the truths in the world, yeah, and that's why I love you, yeah. And men like Thomas need men like you to protect them from the world." Yeah. Jesus. I mean, we haven't really dug into, or maybe maybe we, maybe we talked about it for like a second, but like what happened was Miranda was right. Yeah. She warned him. Yeah. And, and Flint or James forgot himself. He forgot 
that he does live in a civilization. He does live in a society where gossip and shame can kill. Yeah. And, and I think it was probably because of his brief stint in Nassau and his brief stint by Thomas's side Mm -hmm. and the, the, just the, the, what was in the air of, of idealism yeah. of just being around Thomas and like these ideas, the f- James that we saw at the beginning of those flashbacks would not have made that mistake. No, not and, at all. And Miranda's right. Absolutely. And that's like also, I mean, yeah, that, that's tragic. Yeah. <laughs> because like, he'll say like, I, 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 you know, I, I, my regret is that I didn't, is that I didn't try to stop it before, but like his regret is that he screwed up. This is his mistake. Yeah. Well, I think it's also interesting because I think Miranda, just because she's a woman, has had to live in that world of gossip. Right. Like, that is her her area of expertise. Right. She has to live that every day at the, at the parties and the galleries and salons or whatever. So she truly knows how significant this is. And I think that James just hasn't even encountered high society yeah. before this. And is able to ex- explain it away and, like, well, nobody really knows about it and, like, everybody would be embarrassed. It, it, it doesn't make sense. We're focused on the plan. It just doesn't occur to him that it would be that important. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I wrote down, um, Nassau is a haven. It's a place to be yourself. And what is Nassau now without Thomas? Who said that? I, I wrote that. I said oh, that. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean? For Flint, like, I think Nassau in the flashbacks represents the new world where they can create a utopia together. And, and now what is it without yeah. Thomas? Yeah. Ugh. I also love when Eleanor says... I know your lies. They're the manure from which I sprouted. I, I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wrote that down too. <laughs> who was it? Who was it that says the thing about the measure of a man is when he comes up against himself? Flynn says that to his officer. Oh, yeah. He says, You told me the measure of man is when he's confronted by himself. Uh, Oof. What does that mean? I mean, I know what it means, but, like, is it, is it something? <laughs> I mean, I think that uh, James was confronted by himself in that moment when they said, we know exactly who you are and that you love this man and you're forever banished because of it. And I think that Flint is the result of that confrontation. Hmm. Okay. By the way... Also, watching that confrontation back again, it doesn't super make a lot of sense to me that Thomas would be punished before James would. Yeah, I had the thought, if I wonder if this has happened before. Oh, shit. I, I don't think to this extent, but I wonder if growing up, you know, he saw him with a school friend or somehow noticed that Thomas was gay and has always been sort of quashing that behavior or looking out for that and if this is sort of the the last straw that thomas has publicly shamed him 
oh yeah, actually, from that perspective, it makes a lot more sense to say that Alfred is is punishing Thomas because of his shame. Yeah, is like it makes a lot more sense. Yeah. Um. All right. Cool. Well, find us on Twitter. Yeah. At there be sales. Leave reviews. You know the drill. And keep watching Black Sales because, you know, you need help from people like us. Is that a line from the show? I wrote it down. Who says it? Flint. (laughs) Maybe not that one. Oh. (laughs) Oh, it looks like we should be wrapping up because it would appear that we have lost track of time. Jack says that as they're having the threesome at the very beginning of the episode when the cannons start firing.